Kaczynski. I am the editor-in-chief of the JNIS, and I welcome our listeners to the next in our series of podcasts featuring Editor's Choice articles. We are fortunate to have Walid Rinjikchi, who is the co-author on the manuscript entitled Impact of Balloon Guide Catheter on Technical and Clinical Outcomes, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. This article is published in our print journal in April of 2018 and is online on the JNIS website. Welcome, Walid, and thank you for agreeing to do this podcast. Thank you very much. So at the outset, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the structure of the manuscript. If you can describe a little about the methods of your study. This is obviously a systematic review and meta-analysis. Your group uh, has produced a number of these manuscripts. Can you tell us a little bit about the machinery of how you look at this, how many analysts and researchers um, are filtering through this data, and just briefly describe um, how you produce these meta-analyses? Yes, so uh, we've been fortunate uh, at uh, Mayo Clinic to work with the uh, Center for the Science of Healthcare Delivery, uh, which uh, does a lot of work in uh, comparative effectiveness research, uh, meta-analyses, and and other types of uh, healthcare services uh, type research. And we generally start with a a reference librarian. Um, I've been working with a reference librarian for the past five or six years to uh, perform these uh, comprehensive literature searches. Um, She sends us a uh, note library with all the articles that she identifies during the course of the literature search. We have, in general, uh, two, but sometimes one, a person sorting through the EndNote library to identify articles that would meet inclusion criteria. And upon completion of that, we generally have uh, two people abstracting data from studies and, you know, kind of comparing notes just to make sure we're not missing anything. And then after that, we send it to our uh, meta-analysis guru, uh, Hassan Murad, who's published uh, hundreds of um, meta-analyses, and this is kind of his uh, area of expertise. So, you know, we're, we're fortunate to to have a pretty streamlined process uh, for performing these uh, meta-analyses. And the, the statistical software packages for performing these types of analyses are, you know, they're, they're widely available. They're pretty much the, the same no matter uh, what you use. And there are a number of open source uh, type packages as well as things that cost a lot more money. But this is something that you know I, I think that many people could do as, as long as they, they had the, the resources available. As you know, in the last five years, the, there's just been a, a revolution in the treatment of stroke and in delineating the uh, efficacy of mechanical thrombolysis. Um, certainly, one of the objectives of the JNIS is uh, to keep uh, publishing manuscripts where we're specifically discussing improving Uh, stroke outcomes. In that light, can you describe some of the results of your study? Statistical significance was reached on a number of important endpoints. Perhaps you can just uh, highlight uh, what you feel some of those uh, endpoints are. Basically, uh, five main uh, endpoints, and the most important of which being MRS of zero to two, or basically um, good functional outcomes. Uh, We found that patients that had a BGC used during their thrombectomy had 60% rate of good functional outcome compared to 44% without a BGC. And uh, mortality rates were significantly higher in the non-BGC group, uh, 25% compared to 14%. And 
this is all um, reflective of the uh, angiographic outcomes uh, that we're seeing in the BGC group. Now, uh, we did see a difference um, in TICI 2B3, you know, 79 versus 67%. But I think the most uh, striking outcomes from our study uh, were, uh, number one, the rate of TICI 3, uh, where we saw 58 to 38% in favor of BGC, and first pass recanalization, where we saw 63 to 45%. Uh, in favor of BGC. And, and this uh, touches on something that's uh, starting to become more prevalent in the literature. Uh, number one, um, the importance of achieving a, a TICI-3 as opposed to a, a TICI-2B. Uh, you know, there's a wide variation in, you know, what we see with a TICI-2B. I mean, if you have a, a Rolandic branch occluded, um, it's a ticky 2B, but also if you have an angular branch occluded, it's a ticky 2B. And the type of, uh, you know, functional outcome that you get from persistent occlusion in those two branches are very different. Um, and the first pass recanalization, th there was a recent article in Stroke uh, on the first pass effect. And uh, one thing that they found was that uh, patients who had a basically uh, first pass uh, complete revascularization had significantly uh, better uh, neurological outcomes than patients who did not. So, you know, I, I think that much of the benefit that we see in the BGCs um, is due to this, you know, first pass effect as well as the uh, substantially higher rates in TICI-3. Sure, I agree with you. Uh, we're certainly moving towards the point where where we have to aim for getting ticky three in in all cases, and and it really seems like we're moving in the direction where where that's going to be achievable in the next few years. And I also agree that uh, all ticky two Bs are not alike. <laughs> the neurological deficits can be vastly different depending on which particular branches uh, remains occluded. Waleed, could you uh, describe some of the limitations of this study? Uh, at first glance, 2,022 patients were included in this analysis, and yet only five studies met the criteria for inclusion, and of these three uh, were conference abstracts. So can you describe the limitations in, in performing an analysis like this with, with these kinds of numbers? Of course, when you have so few studies, there is going to be a, a, a higher rate of uh, a publication bias. Um, although we did not find any uh, publication bias when we did our uh, funnel plot, I mean, it, it just uh, it makes sense that the, the fewer studies you have, the more type of publication bias you're going to be seeing. Um, regarding the uh, inclusion of conference uh, abstracts, I agree that's a limitation in the sense that you're not able to get the uh, granular data uh, that is often needed to do like a more in-depth analysis. Um, for example, only two studies looked at rates of TICI-3, and I'm sure that if, you know, some of these conference abstracts get published, you know, reviewers would be requesting, you know, data on, on TICI-3 um, outcomes as well. Um, now, there is some controversy as to whether or not, uh, you know, the so-called gray literature or, you know, conference abstracts uh, could be uh, included in, in meta-analyses. Um, however, according to our local experts, they, they see uh, no reason to not include them as long as you are, you know, fully transparent. Uh, another limitation of the, the study is that only two um, of the included studies uh, used core laboratories, 
And because um, much of the benefits that we were seeing were in um, angiographic outcomes, um, it would have been nicer uh, to have more uh, core lab uh, adjudicated uh, angiographic outcomes uh, included in this meta-analysis. And then just an important limitation just related to a conflict of interest that uh, David Kalmus and, and I have, uh, uh, both David Kalmus and I are uh, founders of a, a startup, Marblehead Medical, which has uh, patents pending in uh, balloon catheter technologies are working on developing improved uh, balloon guide catheters. You state in your discussion that there uh, is benchtop analysis uh, supporting the use of balloon guide catheters, and certainly it, it makes intuitive sense that if you're arresting flow that uh, that you're going to have less fragmentation of clots. So I think I think the framework of evidence uh, is certainly there going forward. Can you clarify a bit on some of the potential complications of using balloon guide catheters? You allude in the manuscript also that it was difficult to ascertain in your study where the balloon catheter was being placed. Um, you discuss as well some of the uh, aortic arch anatomy problems. Uh, but if you could elaborate on that as well for our listeners. I've heard things such as, you know, you, give, you have higher rates of uh, dissection with balloon guide catheters, uh, higher rates of uh, vasospasm. Uh, from uh, my personal experience and, and seeing experiences of others, uh, you know, what one issue uh, with uh, balloon guide catheters that are currently available is they're not as stable as a guiding sheath like a, a shuttle or a Neuron Max or, or, a, or a Fubuki or, or whatever, you know, your typical um, you know, 90 centimeter uh, guide sheath is. Uh, so for that reason, sometimes, and particularly in patients that have more uh, difficult arch anatomy or, or tortuous uh, cervical vessels, you're more prone to get uh, herniation of the balloon guide catheter into the arch and, and potentially uh, lose access as well. So I, I think that th those are the, the main uh, complications. I, another you know, issue that I've, I've heard mentioned is, is the fact that, you know, with, with balloon guides, you're using, you know, you're using an eight or, you know, sometimes a nine French sheath. Um, some people, when they're doing these uh, procedures, they go in directly with the, you know, with their, their guide sheath, which generally has a, a six French, uh, which is generally a six French sheath. So the arteriotomy is a little bit smaller, uh, you know, but, you know, with our, with the status of our current closure devices and everything, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if that's a, a legitimate concern, especially with a, a lot of data out there showing, you know, similar rates of growing complications, you know, between six and eight French, you know, with the use of uh, closure devices. So th those are the, the complications that I'm most used to hearing and the types of complications that, you know, I've uh, in, encountered uh, in practice. Sure. In your conclusion and, and discussion in the manuscript, you you finish with the common refrain that a randomized control trial comparing the efficacy of balloon guide catheter versus non-balloon guide catheter use may be needed to determine if this uh, technique should be the standard of care. Do you feel that such a trial could be developed and so in what patient population should it be restricted to just the younger patients with the uh, straightforward arch? 
Um, and there are you know many different types of uh, balloon guide catheters, which uh, which may impact a, a study such as that. So if you could just postulate and how we can come to a definitive conclusion on whether balloon guide catheters assistance uh, can improve outcomes, um, that would be a help for, for our listeners as well. Absolutely. Now, after performing this uh, meta-analysis and, and just seeing the, the literature that's uh, come out uh, in favor of uh, balloon guide catheter uh, use, you know, I, I think the, the evidence is very compelling uh, in favor of balloon guide catheter use. However, uh, you know, when you look at uh, many trials, for example, I saw the, the COMPASS trial uh, presented at, uh, at uh, ISC, only 40 to 50% of patients in each arm uh, were, you know, were being treated with the use of balloon guide catheters. So it seems that you know, only about half of the stroke cases that we're seeing in the literature are being done with balloon guide catheters. So the question is, how do you convince non-BGC users uh, to, to use a, a BGC? And oftentimes, the, the only way to do that, you know, in, in the, even in the face of all these data, is a, a randomized trial. Now, I think the, the direction uh, that we're going uh, with the randomized trials and stroke, you know, there, there's basically two directions, right? One of them is uh, expanding uh, indications, and I know there's a lot of trials for low NAHSS and and um, maybe even distal occlusions, etc. Uh, and then the other direction is uh, improving uh, technical outcomes. Um, for expanding indications, you know the main outcome that you're going to be looking at is going to be you know you know functional neurological outcome, but improving technical outcomes, I think the thing that we're going to need to look at are basically TICI three. Uh, and and first pass recanalization. Uh, so if I were to design a trial for balloon guides and, and demonstrating efficacy of balloon guides, um, that's what would I would what I would focus on, which is uh, angiographic outcomes. Now patient population, um, obviously there's variation in how people are are doing stroke. Right, there's a lot of people that just do aspiration, solumbra, stent fever only. Um, you know, there are some balloon guides that can accommodate uh, a, a large bore aspiration catheter. Uh, and then there are, you know, some that, that cannot. So, you know, you need like an 090 ID to, you know, to accommodate some of these larger bore aspiration catheters comfortably. So I, I guess that that's going to be one of the limiting factors in, in designing any trial. You know, what kind of balloon guide um, are you using? Um, you would have to use something that would be able to accommodate the devices that people like to use. You know, so if someone's using an A68, they're going to need something that's going to be able to accommodate that kind of balloon guide. Sure. Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, and as you continue to size up uh, on the devices that you're putting in through the groin, uh, the potential for complications also increases. So that's uh, another delicate balance when you're considering how to uh, how to conduct a randomized trial using this particular device. Um, Walid, thank you very much for your uh, time. Um, I found um, your article to be uh, quite interesting, and I'd like to congratulate not just you, but the rest of your co-authors. That included Robert Stark, Hassan Murad, David Fiorella, Victor Pereira, Mayank Goyal, and, and David Kalmas. Thank you again for your time, Walid. Thank you. 
For more information on this article, go to the JNIS website. Uh, this article's been the print edition in April of 2018. Thank you.